the word of God that comes to us today is from the king in Jesus' parable who says, who is described as, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning for just a moment we have a, a guest speaker. I'd like to read this writing. You can close your eyes. It's a couple of minutes long, but I think it speaks to what Jesus wants us to learn today. She says this, It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth that they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947, so the people stood up in silence and left the room. And that is when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, and the next moment a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back to me with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for hiding Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. And this man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women. But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, and again the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and I could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. 
for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it, not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had come, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And, uh, and still, I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that, too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function, can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Thanks be to God for this beautiful story of forgiveness. It shows us that forgiveness is not easy, but it is crucial. It hurts. It hurt Corey Ten Boom to extend the forgiveness. It was necessary for her to extend it because she had received it. And it was life-giving as she extended it. That's the, the message of forgiveness that Jesus brings to us today. And he tells it in such a graphic form. Take a look at your bulletin. As we'll just pull a couple of things from this that Jesus wants us to know about forgiveness. He tells us it's crucial. We can't do without it. He tells Peter, not just seven times, but 70 times seven, unlimited amounts, And then he tells us the story of the servant who had been forgiven much, but didn't forgive others at all, and so in the end, was stuck with the same judgment that he extended to others. Before we look at the text, why is forgiveness so crucial? Take a look. He says this, My heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Ouch, those words seem like I must forgive in order to be forgiven. Or as Jesus says in Matthew 25, as much as you've done it to others, you've done it to me. I must be generous to others if I'm to be generous to Jesus. But in that is, is the truth. 
Are we forgiven just because we forgive others? No. If so, Jesus would not have had to come down from heaven to save us. Right? We are forgiven for much greater reasons, but in order to, to show that we have received this forgiveness, we do pass it on. I have a proposition for you. I don't know if it's true, but I think it is. In heaven, there are only forgiven sinners. Do you agree with that? In heaven, there's only forgiven sinners. No one gets there without the forgiveness that comes from God. That's a beautiful thing. No one can say, I'm here, I did it, I achieved. I won the victory. I ran the race. I didn't even need God's forgiveness. No. Everyone there is a forgiven sinner. We agree with that. What about this, though? In hell, maybe the only ones there are forgiven sinners. You might think to yourself, no, they're there because they're not forgiven. But here's my proposition. The only difference between those forgiven sinners in heaven and those forgiven sinners in hell is what they did with the forgiveness they were given. In heaven, the forgiveness is accepted and passed on, as we saw with Corey Ten Boom. She accepted the forgiveness from Jesus. She extended it to her former prison guard. In heaven, it's accepted and passed on. In hell, that same forgiveness is blocked and rejected. It's not received and it's not passed on. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But forgiveness is crucial. Jesus tells us it is. There's a guy named Friedrich Bugner, uh, like his name. His name's almost as hard as mine. He says this, of the seven deadly sins, anger is the most fun. I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe you have a, a favorite, a different favorite. But he's, huh? You disagree. Okay, well, you can disagree. I'm just telling you what he says. He says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is the most fun. Now, I'm sure you could list why the others are fun, temporarily. But he says this, to kill I'm sorry, to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to savor each morsel of the pain that you're giving back to them. Well, this is a feast fit for a king. When you think about and meditate all the wrong that others have done to you, when you hold that anger in your heart, it's like a delicious feast. You can name all those trespasses against you. It's a feast fit for a king. But he goes on and says this. The, the, the main drawback is that what you're wolfing down at that feast is yourself. The chief problem with being angry is that when you consume it, you consume yourself. The wolf inside of you is eating yourself. Or as Jesus says in the parable, you end up in a prison where you shouldn't belong. Or you may have heard it like this, uh, bitterness, drinking the bitterness doesn't poison the person that you're angry at, it only, bitter, it only poisons yourself. So it is, it is crucial. It is crucial that we don't let that wolf inside us go over those things and hold on to them because then we do not receive the forgiveness of God. Well, how do we do this forgiveness? Take a look at your, your text. We have the story of, of this king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
And this is practical for all of us. Look at verse 24. It says that when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. How much is that? Is this like the 10,000 things you're good at, you're talented at? No, this is a unit of money, which is huge. If you were to take that amount of money, it would be like half of the national debt. It would be in the, in the billions or trillions of dollars. It would be 300,000 lifetimes of salary. It's a lot of money. Can one person ever pay that back? Of course not. And that's Jesus' point. That's like saying he's in debt $14 trillion. Not so good for a, a servant. You might think, well, how is this servant in debt so much? Well, probably because he's a kind of servant who is a governor or you know, executive for Caesar. That's what kind of servant he is. He had a lot of power. And he blew it big time. And so he owes $14 trillion. And so, since he couldn't repay, his master ordered him to be sold. That's what they did in those days. You owe some money, you go to what they call debtor prison until someone bails you out. Not such a good system. Along with his wife and kids, and ordered that payment should be made, which is ludicrous, right? Even, even if we like you the best in this church, and you go to debtor's prison for $14 trillion, we're not going to get you out. <laughs> we like you. But you're staying there, right? So the guy comes and just does something simple. He falls on his knees and asks, uh, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Now, the king, is the king a fool? No. Does the king think, oh yeah, okay, um, I'll put you back to work and you'll be able to pay me back, $14 trillion. Hmm? No. So that is not what the the king responds based on his plea. Rather, look at verse 27. And these are three things that we are entrusted to do in this life. Out of pity for him, that's the first one, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. That word out of pity, that's literally the word in Greek, enlarged his heart. He enlarged his heart. His heart went out to him. That's the first thing that the master, the king does. It's also the first thing we're called to do. And by the way, this word is the the emotion that Jesus is most described to have. Compassion or an enlarged heart, pity. This is Jesus. This is how Jesus uh, comes to us. And so out of pity is the first thing. Um, And so that that would be what we might call empathy or understanding. Uh, To stay mad at someone... I've heard this. I'll pass it on. To stay mad at someone, to hold on to that bitterness, you exclude that person from the community of humans. You no longer think of them as human. You think of them, if they lied, you think of them as a liar. If they stole, you think of them as a thief. If they gossip, they're a slanderer, right? Uh, if, they, if they didn't keep their word, um, they're no good, right? We probably don't do that but we might. It's to not, no longer think of them as human. And then it also is to exclude ourselves from the com- community of sinners. It's to think, well, I wouldn't do that. I don't do things like that. And it's just a matter of, of what we need is this grace to have that pity, to enlarge our hearts, to see others. Uh, I was thinking, okay, let me just back up. This is hard. And 
just a quick story is when I was, I don't know, 40, uh, my dad came to visit. And my dad, in many ways, was very loving. But in other ways, he was a wreck his whole life. Had several, several wives. Um, he had uh, problems with alcohol and gambling. And in many ways, he was neglectful of my brother and I. And we, li- we were good Germans, and we didn't talk about it. We just powered through. We're never going to talk about it. Right? We're going to hide it. We're going to brush it under the rug when it comes up. But, but when I was 40, this was just boiling over. And he came to visit. And he's starting to lose his memory. Um, and so we're talking. And we're, we're, I'm telling him the things you know, where I was really hurt. And some of them he remembered, and some of them he didn't. But I thought to myself, you know what? Here's a man who was not treated well as a kid, who, a man who's genetically predisposed to um, you know, alcoholism, uh, a man who had low self-confidence. That's not an, those are not excuses, but it just helped me to enter into his world. Uh, he was a man in need. And so in this beautiful sitting in our truck, sharing over a couple of hours, uh, I was able to express my forgiveness to him and, and, and his you know, repentance, his sorrow towards me. It was a beautiful thing. And I can't put it as well as Corey Ten Boom does. Uh, but I encourage you that these things, this enlarging of your heart, it's not, it, this is life-giving. Right? So just moving on fast is the other things that the king does, besides having pity and enlarging his heart, he forgave the debt. He released the man from what he was owed. And this is what we ought to do. This is what we're called to do is to forgive the debt. Think if this story is about Caesar. And the guy really did blow $14 trillion. For Caesar to forgive it, is that a big deal? No big deal, right? Just $14 trillion. It is a big deal because if he absorbs this, which the king does, he dies to his, in some sense, his lordship. His empire is very likely to go down because he has way less resources than he does. It costs him. And that's what forgiveness does for us. It costs us. We tell that wolf inside of us, go to hell. We don't bring those things back up. We silence it. We say it's over, it's done. It's released. And this is not an easy thing to do. So let me just end with this. Well, how do we do this? Y'all, y'all good, right? You can go do it? Y'all ready to do it? Yeah, sure. It's just not easy, right? We know that, and that's why we're here, because we struggle with things like this. So let me just tell you two resources. One is the church. This is the community of believers. Earlier in the text that we read last week, uh, it talked about what to do when someone sins against you. And it talked about bringing it, uh, talking to the person directly. It talks about having some help to help this person get back on track. And, and if necessary, bring it to the whole, all, the whole group of people who call themselves the church. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I'll say, and this is the primary resource, is to, put your, to remember what the king has done for you. Right? Think about in this story, the king has died to his bookkeeping. He is no longer keeping score. The guy says, let's make a deal. I'll pay it off. The king's like, I'm going to let it go, but not because you can pay it off, right? So Ephesians, 5, or Ephesians chapter 5 says, the end of chapter 4, I'm sorry, says these things, a reminder for us that we can take with us. Let all bitterness and wrath 
and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. That all seems almost impossible, doesn't it? When you have these, these grievances. But then it, it ends like this. As God in Christ forgave you. That's the key. Paul tells us in Colossians about the debt that we ourselves have. And he says that God made you all, believers in Jesus, alive with him. You're no longer dead to that wolf that wants the revenge. But God made you alive with him, having forgiven us all our debts by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So remembering that the man of sorrows bore our sins for us so that we might be forgiven, and that because we're forgiven sinners, we can then extend it to others. Not an easy task, but one we can only do by looking at the great record of wrong that has been forgiven us. May God empower us. In the name of Jesus, amen.